Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Dalton Meisner. Listen as he shares his passion towards videography and his advice as making it as a full-time creative. I apologize as there is a couple technical difficulties with Wi-Fi. Other than that, please enjoy. Hello, and thank you for joining Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Dalton Meisner. Dalton is a videographer and photographer based out of LA. I met Dalton back in Indiana in 2018. We were kind of mixing and collaborating on some projects together. And a couple years later, Dalton moved to LA, and now he's working with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Dalton, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited to be on here. For sure. Can you just kind of describe exactly what you do, some of the roles you play, and just a brief description of exactly what the videography is? Absolutely. Um, so right now, currently, like you said, I'm living in LA, um, and I basically I work for myself. I don't really work at any agencies or anything like that. So a lot of the projects I do are um, just me, start to finish. And so um, I guess. Kind of to give you an idea of what I do, um, it was before um, we entered the pandemic and um, big gatherings were were not allowed. I was doing um, a lot of music work, so a lot of shooting at um, some venues here in LA on weekends, um, and then creating recaps. Um, been doing some music videos lately, and yeah, a lot of it is just um, kind of those independent pieces that aren't necessarily don't take a team and they're not super big, but you know, a lot of commercial work. And like I said, a lot of music work. So that's been pretty much it. And then since the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of um, editing, way less shooting and shifting my focus towards more brand work and more uh, kind of that commercial style. Awesome. Okay, so let's go back to before you started videography. You grew up in a small town in Indiana. What was that town and kind of what was your childhood like without any commercial work? Yeah, um, so... Growing up, it was, like you said, I grew up in a town of about a thousand people. And uh, for context, I graduated with about 80, like 82 or 83 people. So <laughs> a pretty small school, but it actually wasn't private. That was our public school in the area. So wow. um, yeah, basically, basically my, my whole life up until I graduated high school, soccer was my focus. And um, I started playing since I was like and a little bit more joined the travel team started um I, I i didn't even play i think it was like eighth grade or seventh grade i didn't even play at my school because i was um just traveling and, and on another team trying to get better trying to like have you know tougher competition and just push myself and um so yeah basically you know like i said from about 10 to 18 all i did was play soccer year-round um probably four to five practices a week traveling, you know, we're in a small town. So we had to travel about an hour one way to wow. uh, practice every night after school. And uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a lot. And I, I mean, that's like, I think I'll thank my parents forever for the sacrifices they made to t just even just taking me to those games, drive, you know, weekends, a lot of my typical week from middle school to high school was doing um, going to school in the morning, um, and then right after school, my mom or dad would take me to practice an hour away, practice for an hour or two hours, and then we would drive back and then I would have homework or whatever I have to do, you know, eat food and then go to bed. And then 
on weekends, on Friday, usually right after school, sometimes I would leave school early. We would um, pack up the car and usually, um, honestly, a lot of times my whole family went, but we would take trips because my games were in the Midwest, but often like in St. Louis or in Chicago or something like yeah. that where we'd be staying there the whole weekend. So, um, yeah, that was my life basically from middle school to high school was those weekend trips and playing soccer. And then, um, yeah, but besides like sports and my personal life, a lot of it was, you know, I, I didn't ever touch a camera. Well, that's actually not true. I, <laughs> no one around me was, but my dad actually was a wedding photographer for a little bit and he had a okay. camera around. So that's kind of when I like was introduced to that world that that even existed. Um, but I didn't have any interest in it when I was younger. And, um, I was always very artistic though. I always, I played, um, guitar and drums for quite a few years. I took lessons. I was always taking like art classes when I had the chance in school. And, um, yeah, so that was like, I knew that I was artistic and creative, but I, I was, you know, my, both my parents are math, um, majors. So I, always just kind of was like, I'm absolutely going to college. Um, I was pretty smart in, in schools, like as far as books and stuff go, I was just, it came natural. So I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to, I liked marketing cause it was kind of creative, but still, uh, I guess required a lot of, you know, paperwork or, or a lot of you know numbers and things like that. So I was like, that seemed like a good hybrid of, you know, using, um, I guess using numbers and stuff and then also some creativity. But um, yeah, as you know, and I'm sure we'll get into later that I did, ended up not going that route, but yeah, I think that sums it up. It was, you know, a pretty normal childhood. I had, you know, middle-class family and I was definitely um, had amazing parents. And um, so I think that, you know, kind of in a nutshell gives you an idea of what it was like. For sure. And then Dalton went on to study at the university of, St. Francis, and this was on scholarship from soccer, and there was also a injury that occurred in the development from high school to college. If you could please describe just a little bit about the injury and kind of how this transformed your outlook on opening your eyes to videography from here. Yeah, so um, my senior year of high school, I was, um, I, you know, playing college soccer was my, that was the entry, that was the dream, like that was all I wanted. So, and you know, like I said, I grew up in a middle-class family, but I have, um, I have three younger brothers. So, you know, pay, my parents paying for all my school, especially at a private university was, uh, just not on the, not on the table. And so I was like, all right, I got to get as much money as I can in, you know, to play the sport I love. So I'm, uh, I'm getting recruited lightly. Nothing was, you know, no many, not, not many crazy deals or anything like that, um, were coming to me, but I actually, went, flew down with my mom to Florida, um, to a D2 school, uh, called Florida Southern. And, uh, we, we were there and it was a recruiting camp and I had been talking to the school and there was definitely some, some interest from both ends, but you know, I, I had to go play in front of them. So I, I go down and, uh, I get to this camp early in the morning and everything's fine. It was going great. I was feeling good. And, um, yeah, so we, we kind of started like warming up and all this, and my mom had left, uh, left me there for the day, and we start warming up, and we're just kind of getting, you know, in the groove, and maybe like 30 minutes goes by, I'm feeling great, everything's going fine, and we're still warming up, just doing some drills, and I had, I had shot a ball at the goal, and I was literally just walking away out of the drill to the back of the line, and I stepped wrong, 
<laughs> I stepped wrong and my ankle rolled and just, I, it, I felt and heard this huge pop. And I, so I, I fell obviously. And, yeah. um, yeah, basically immediately I knew I was, I, I was done. I was like, I never, you know, I'm, I was pretty used to having little nicks and, you know, little injuries I could get through. And I was like, immediately knew, like, you can just feel the adrenaline rush through your body. I was like, this is, this is not that. So, um, long story short, I tore a few ligaments in my ankle and, uh, had, I had to go to the hospital, obviously in Florida, all that fun stuff. Um, we flew home and that was kind of the end of it like that. I was really depressed for a second. Cause I was like, man, I, I'm right. Like this is right after high school soccer and right before, um, the, the fall semester of college. And I, I still didn't have a school pick. So I was really stressed and I was injured. And so long story short, I had been talking to a school that was about an hour away in Fort Wayne from where I live. And, uh, that I happened to be St. Francis and they, I had already luckily went and played in front of the coach a few times. So, um, yeah, basically they gave me an offer and I was like, you know what? I, uh, I'm going to have to take it because, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't, I can't go play in, in front of anyone else right now. So, um, it was actually funny. The coach had, uh, and I, I actually don't know if he even knows this yet, but, uh, the coach had came to my house when we, when we kind of were signing, when I was signing the, for the scholarship and, he came down to our house and had dinner with us and I had, I was actually very injured at that point. That was like shortly after Florida. So <laughs> I had to kind of ditch the crutches and like, I, I didn't walk. I just tried to like not move as much as I could because I didn't want there to be any concern or, yeah. you know, I didn't want <laughs> that to be a red flag. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, so that basically that, that's how that went. And that's why I chose that. Not why I chose the school. That was definitely a playing factor in me choosing the school. Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, then that, that was basically assigned the deal. And, um, the next semester I went and played at St. Francis. And that was, the fall semester of 2017, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and then this semester, at the end of the semester, you decided not to continue with college. And if you could just explain what was going on through your mind and what made you lead to that decision around yeah. the, quitting the college. Absolutely. Um, I think to get there, I kind of have to start with like, going to college in, in the, the beginning, because going into college, I was still fully planning on, uh, fully planning on going through four years of school. And so another key thing I left out, I guess, when I was telling the story of the injury is, uh, in the middle of all this, I basically had about three to four months of not bed rest, but I was like, my ankle was the size of a golf or not golf, actually like a softball for like at least wow. a month. And it just, the swelling was so insane. Um, and it kept, it would go away for a few days, but it just kept coming back. And so, um, anyway, I, I just couldn't, I could barely walk on crutches. I was, uh, I was out. So in this time I was spending a lot of time on YouTube, just consuming content, hanging out. And, uh, this is when I discovered kind of the world I'm in now, which is the independent like filmmaker um, I guess lifestyle. And I was really intrigued. Um, so in this time I got super inspired and I was this, uh, oblivious young kid who didn't know anything about that world. All I saw was that it was cool and I wanted to do it. So 
I picked up my dad's old camera that um, he had had since I was in middle school and um, started taking pictures when I was injured and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't uh, be out with my friends or anything. So I was uh, just taking pictures and it was the middle of winter. So uh, I just kind of was going outside and, and doing that and they were terrible. I didn't know what I was doing, but it started, <laughs> it lit a fire inside of me and I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. So that's kind of when, that's exactly actually when this, uh, I, I discovered this passion I have for uh, creating content. And so anyway, so with that, you know, in mind, I went to, I went to college um, and in between my, before my first semester of college, I was actually got a job locally um, around where I'm from at the, the only uh, creative agency within an hour of me. So uh, basically they had done, they had done videos for my high school and I had a teacher, mm -hmm. my marketing teacher was able to connect me with them and uh, I interviewed and I, I got a job for the summer there. So that's basically the end of my high school um, career. And then the summer before college is whenever my, this whole world of creating content and videos uh, was kind of created for me. So, um, yeah, anyway, I worked there and that's where I learned how to like use my first video editing software. That's where I learned the first about anything really of, of, in, pertaining to, uh, like I said, creating content, creating videos. And so worked there, went to school. I was majoring in graphic design, uh, played college, uh, or played soccer. And then, um, yeah, I, I just slowly over the semester started to question myself and I asked, you know, what is your end goal? How is college going to help you get there? And um, is, you know, I had a scholarship, but I was still paying about 50% of uh, tuition and room and board every year. Mm. So at a private university, that was that was a pretty hefty price. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically I just started asking myself all these questions, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee. So I was consuming a lot of Gary Vee content and, uh, he discusses the topic of college a lot. And so I just started asking myself, you know, is this price I'm paying worth what I'm getting? And, um, basically by the end of my first semester, I had luckily gotten to play a full season experience college soccer, which was amazing. And I loved it. And I'm very thankful I did that. But, uh, yeah, at the end of it, I was like, you know what, I, uh, I, I don't think that what I'm paying and, and that, you know, price tag of 80 or $100,000 when I'm done with college is going to be worth my degree in graphic design. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I basically decided to kind of pull the plug on college. And the only reason I did that was because I had that previous marketing job, or I guess, creative agency job that I had worked before college, I had that to fall back on. So yeah. that was a very key, I guess, factor in me uh, dropping out and having like a plan um, and somewhere to work and somewhere to grow. Okay. So after dropping out of college, your first semester, you fell back to the corporate company that you were working with previously. I had a question on why they kind of took you on. It sounds like they kind of had to train you with the different experience you learned from them. And that's very hard to see typically. So I was just kind of wondering how they took you on and why exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're exactly right. I had zero experience. Um, and a lot of it was recommendation from my marketing teacher in high school. She, um, I, I credit her pretty much like the start of me have, finding a passion for this. And she 
just helped curate that my senior year of high school. So she, uh, she put in a good word for me. And um, I think, you know, I, I didn't get paid very much, which was completely fine with me because I didn't deserve it at the time. And uh, that was basically the deal. You know, I came on as just an extra hand. They didn't really mm-hmm. need me, but they were like, you know, they saw potential in me. They, uh, um, I think they saw passion potential and, you know, I was just very honest and said, this is what I want to do. And, uh, I would love to work with you guys in any way I can. So they, um, like I said, you know, I was put on a pretty low, uh, salary, which is completely fine. And they just, that's the relationship we had was I was there to help and learn. And I was very rarely given like a lot of responsibility. This was very much like I, assisted them when I could, but they never handed me too much responsibility. And then slowly over the summer, you know, I I got sent out to do uh, a lot of, uh, well, actually, so thankfully I had a drone. I had a lot of drone experience before this. Um, I had kind of helped out at this other small company doing some drone stuff. So flying drones was one of my strong suits and they sent me out on a lot of drone uh, I guess job. So I was able to help that way. And I think that's why I think they just saw potential and wanted to help and saw potential for me to grow within their company. Um, and I'm very, like I said, very grateful for that because I learned it's so funny looking back. Like I, I, I had, I wonder too, sometimes why they yeah. hired me. There was, I had zero, pretty much zero to bring <laughs> to the table. So, um, yeah. Okay. So this I remember, if I recall right, you you left this company around the summer of 2018, and this is kind of where me and you actually kind of connected. Is, um, and then right there, you started doing a little bit more freelance. This is when your freelance kind of started, and a little bit more is in the summer of 2018. And something that you always made visible and that I always respected about you is you started out doing a lot of work for free, which I think like in the freelance world, it's very important to kind of know your worth. And when you're starting out, especially to build a portfolio, keeping your prices low, there's some guys who kind of like rank up and they, they think they're worth more than what they really are. And you started from the ground up, leaving the agency and kind of starting your own career. And can you kind of explain the first kind of gigs you got and how you would reach out starting as a freelancer out of the agency? Yeah. So basically how that went was I, um, I fully intended on working at this place for a really long time. I was happy. It was a very chill and cool and like young vibe there. And I, I was happy, but, um, I saw, I guess I saw potential to make more money and kind of be my own boss. So what I started doing was while working there, um, in the summer of this started early summer of 2018, I, um, started reaching out to basically I got on SoundCloud and found the manager emails for um, every DJ that was going to be at any local festival to me. So, um, and then I just basically shot off about, I was doing about 20 emails a day to just any opener. Um, I was staying away from headliners because I knew I had no chance, but I wanted to shoot (laughs) a recap video of their set. Um, I think it was like Lollapalooza, uh, Electric Forest, Um, There was a few others I can't remember, but those were some of the festivals around me. And um, so I started doing that. I had zero luck. I didn't get, I didn't land anything. But what happened is I actually had a friend um, say, hey, the Chainsmokers are going to be playing at Notre Dame, which is about 
45 minutes from where my house is in Indiana. And they said, uh, they're going to be playing there. And, you know, basically there's potential if you reach out to the, I guess the, the head, the, the, uh, the person who was organizing the content team, he said, if you reach out mm -hmm. to him, there's a chance you could get a photo pass. And I was like, you know, no way. The Chainsmokers <laughs> were my favorite artists at the time. So, yeah. um, I, I reached out and it was one day before the concert and the person got back to me while I was actually sitting at my desk at work and said, yeah, I got a photo pass for you as long as we can, you know, there's no pay, but we can, as long as we can use your photos, I'll give you a photo pass. And I was like, hundred percent, I'm there. So, yeah. uh, I, I did that. I went and, um, I got the photo pass and I shot and that was like my first experience where I was like, that sealed the deal. I was like, this is, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I have to. Yeah. So, um, that was the first concert that I ever shot. Of course I went to festivals before and brought my phone and made like phone recaps from the, from the <laughs> crowd and did that whole thing. But that was the first real one. And the pictures turned out amazing. And I actually got, I think what gave me inspiration and fueled my fire was, um, some of the, you know, even as small as like, uh, like drew from the chain smokers, you know, liking, seeing my photos and liking them from it was, yeah, was enough sure. of like, okay, like this is dope that they like it. And like this, that was just all that, all it took was just at least a little bit of recognition for me to be like, this is, uh, I'm doing something right. And my, uh, you know, it was good content. So that kind of gave me fire to keep going. Um, and so yeah, that was the first concert and that, that from that moment on was kind of when I started having thoughts about, all right, how do I turn this into, how do I monetize this and, and work my way out of this job? For sure. So like be, having that being your first gig, was that very intimidating for you going into, especially that size of a gig? Was it intimidating for you and how did you get over that fear? Um, I think, and I'll, I'll say this time and time again, I think I wouldn't be where I was if I knew I was kind of in a, in my own world. I had no clue yeah. what it took to uh, sustain myself financially doing this. I had no clue what it took skill wise to deliver content. Um, Cause you know, I learned everything I know from YouTube. I didn't learn it, learn a single thing from uh, college or anything like that. I learned it from YouTube. And then what I learned at my, at my, uh, that, that creative agency job. So, um, I was very much, I guess, just not in the loop with what it took. So I wasn't intimidated just because uh, I think it was two parts. One is I didn't know. I, I was so oblivious to the situation. And two, uh, I had no skin in the game, really. I, it wasn't like I was being paid to deliver a certain amount of, of, bit, of photos or a certain kind of video. I was just there capturing it for free and having fun. So... Um, luckily I wasn't intimidated. I had one of the best nights of my life that night. It was so fun. I um, I put down the camera for a bit and just like danced, had fun. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a great night. So, but like I said, you know, it's knowing now, I think I would be, would have been way more nervous, like knowing what I know now. Um, so I attribute a lot of that to just being oblivious. Absolutely. Okay. So continuing after on from this gig, we're in the summer of 2018 you get some other gigs popping up and this is you're fully out of the agency by this time and you land a gig. I think your next big one is with time flies. Am I, am I correct? That's yeah, a festival. That's okay. 
Um, how did you get this gig with Time Flies? And is it the same way, just kind of reaching out through email? Or how was that? Yeah, um, I actually got the uh, – I secured the Time Flies gig while I was still working at the uh, agency. Oh, this, okay. And, and I think you're right, though. I actually think I had quit before I shot it. But what happened is um, – so I – Summerfest is another festival that was somewhat within uh, range for me to drive to. It, it was about three, four hours away from me. So uh, I got ahead because the main response from managers up until this point was, hey, sorry, we already have our positions. You know, our, we've already given out all of our, our credentials to yeah. videographers and photographers, which sometimes I'm sure that was true. Sometimes I'm sure they just I just wasn't good enough. And that was their easy way of saying no. Um, yeah. But so this time I was like, all right, I'm going to not let that be an excuse. So I reached out about two months before Summerfest. Um, I looked at the lineup and Time Flies was headlining. And I was like, all right, I know their music. I love it. Um, I'm going to reach out and just see what's up. So I found their manager's email um, on online somewhere and reached out to him. And uh, basically, I just... I offered i said hey you know at that time luckily i had the chain smokers photos as like like credibility those were monumental in yeah. me getting more gigs because i mean i had no business being there but somehow i had photos of the chain smokers and they were they turned out so good so um that was i, I sent that and i said hey i actually don't really have any video work to show you but i would love to come shoot photo and video of this show and the manager got back to me right away and said, hey, I love it. Um, absolutely. And of course, this was all for free. I offered my services free and I made that mm -hmm. clear in the email. Um, he said, hey, I love it. Absolutely. Um, it's a little far out. So let's just reconnect in another month or or a month and a half. And I was like, all right. Um, I thought that was the end of it. I was like, there is <laughs> no way that he's going to remember me, reach out again. But sure enough, about a month later, uh, I get an email and he says, hey, it's, you know, we're getting closer. So let's start talking logistics. Um, let's start talking, you know, getting you your pass and just all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is this is happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So then it happened. I went um, and spent the whole day with them and I brought two friends along and we uh, we killed it. We made a great video. And that was like my first real concert recap. And. Um, they were super happy with it. They posted it. It got a lot of love. And I was like, wow, this is, it, it, I just kept proving to myself I can do it basically is what, how that went. And yeah. uh, the cool thing about that gig, and we can get into this later if you want or whatever, but um, the Luke, their manager and, uh, and Cal and Rez, the two guys in time flies actually are some of my best friends to wow. this day and <laughs> are the, one of the main reasons I've been able to, progress grow and work with um the people i have they i mean i talk to luke and cal almost on a daily basis now um luke helps me all the time with just any questions i have or getting more gigs or putting me in the right place at the right time and uh so it, it, it's just crazy how that one gig has turned into such a crazy good relationship and um has been so huge in my i guess quote unquote success or or progress towards success yeah absolutely okay continuing on from time flies you also landed a couple of tour gigs these were your first ever tours which as a drummer myself touring is very very different from the average midwest life so you landed a gig with somo who's 
a worldwide artist, and then the Struts. Can you explain these gigs and kind of what they meant to you? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, like I said, um, that's kind of why I brought up Time Flies and, and their management and just how the relationship we had, because that uh, their manager was able to uh, link me with Somo's manager because uh, Somo needed someone to come out for a tour, and uh, they, I guess, somehow my name got thrown out there. So, yeah, <laughs> after um, after the Time Flies gig, I, I got to go on a, on my first ever tour, which was huge. It was only a week, which was perfect for me at the time. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was my first tour, and like like I said, as as these events happened, I was it just solidified it more that like. I can do this. And I, it was proving to myself that I can do this. So I did the tour. Um, it was great. And then I did a, I ended up doing a music video for him shortly after, which was my first ever music video. Um, a school experience. And then um, shortly after that, um, through the same, I guess, network of managers, I got thrown out there to do a tour in Europe with the struts. This was a month long. Um, and obviously being a 19 year old kid going to, or I guess I was 20, I don't know if I was 19, I was 19 or 20 at the time. And just being that young, going to Europe for a month and my, I was getting paid to just film concerts every day was obviously just an amazing experience. Um, and like I said, just solidified it more and made, made me believe in myself even more. For sure. Um, and then right around this time, you were kind of bouncing around the idea to move to LA, which I feel like was a very big stepping stone towards further success for your career. And this was after these tours. Can you kind of explain what was going on through your mind to move through LA and kind of who influenced you to go that direction? Yeah. Um, I mean, as a content creator, everyone kind of dreams, or for the most part, everyone dreams of living in LA. So that was my dream. Um, luckily I had been to LA quite a few times for work in the past and I just fell in love with it. And so, um, yeah, basically, you know, I had, like I said, this, a lot of it stems back to Luke, uh, time flies manager, because he was constantly like telling me, you know, I see potential in you. You can do this. Like you got to get out to LA because it, you'll, it'll just be a rocket ship from there. Like you just got to get out there. So, um, that was kind of, I just had that in my ear and I was like, I got to do it. So what I did basically was, um, I actually, I, I failed twice. Well, I didn't fail twice. I failed once. I, I tried to move to LA, um, in October of, I believe it was 2018. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tried to move out here and stay with a friend. It just didn't work out. I didn't, I was not making like any money. Um, I, yeah, I just was like, wasn't making any money. I had a bad situation. So I ended up coming back after a week. And um, then I waited for about another year to the summer of 2019. And uh, by that time, I had developed a relationship with a friend out here who runs a podcast. So I, long story short, just I, I came out and I had enough money to pay rent for a month. So I uh, paid rent at his place for a month. And that's kind of when I that was a crucial month for me. I made a ton of really crucial relationships that uh, led to being paid consistently um, and allowed me to basically financially have the means to move to LA finally. And so I came home after that, after that month of, of staying in LA and I was like, all right, I, uh, I think I can do it. 
For sure. And then when you went out there by yourself, where did you move and kind of like what was the struggle and sacrifice going into it? It had had to have been extremely intimidating kind of moving out there on your own. Where did you yeah. move and what was the struggle kind of going into that? Um, so I came out here with uh, my friend and um, I would say that the main struggles from even before we drove out was obviously money was the first thing we were. I mean, it's my, it was my first apartment. I had no clue what I was doing and um, I wasn't making a ton of money at the time. And I, obviously I'm still not making a ton of money, but I, but at the time it wasn't making like enough to almost not enough to even afford the apartment. So I, uh, I would say that was the biggest struggle. And, and two was just like fear, you know, like I yeah. was so scared I, I, of, living 20 years at my parents' house and having so much comfort and like safety. And I was scared of leaving. So, um, but yeah, you know, once we actually drove across America, made it to LA, uh, we moved to a very small apartment, two bedroom apartment in Koreatown. And that I think if anyone who lives in LA, you would pretty much know that that proves my, uh, my, I guess, um, I don't know what the right word is, but my, uh, lack of understanding of what i guess where to live in la uh yeah koreatown can be very affordable but it's on you know close to downtown and just uh isn't depending on where you're at and we were in a pretty bad area it just you know wasn't very safe or uh it's not a good area at all especially for young kids who like don't know what they're doing i just i felt not at home at all so uh that was the biggest struggle once we moved here was just you know, on top of not being near family anymore and, and struggling to make ends meet was just this, you never feeling that safe and never feeling comfortable and just like at home. So, uh, yeah, that was the biggest struggle. Um, once we moved here, luckily we were able to move out of there and I live in a different part of LA now and it's been, it's been great, but I've only, I haven't even been here a year yet. So I, I yeah. feel like I'm still pretty new to LA and that whole experience. For sure. Your first initial week or month, did you have any connections? I know you had the connections with the previous gigs you had, but did you have like work that you knew was going to be ready for you? Or did you just kind of move out there and expecting the work to show up as you progressed? Yeah, I had um, a crucial, I guess, factor in me moving here too, was that I had, um, I, I was on a uh, kind of monthly um uh, I was working with a, a clothing company on a monthly basis and I knew that that was going to be there. That was like a concrete thing where I was being paid um, enough to at least pay rent. So I was like, okay, that's enough <laughs> if I don't get yeah. anything else. Um, but yeah, besides that, like I had a few, I had a few gigs that I knew were going to happen right away, which was nice. But like after the first month, I, I didn't have anything booked out. Um, but man, I don't know. It, I was so blessed and just, things came at me so quickly. And before I knew it, I had too much work to handle. I was pulling all nighters almost like not every night, but I was pulling an insane amount of all nighters. I was, uh, overwhelmed and, uh, I've, I've definitely toned it back now because that's not sustainable. But at the time I was just grateful to even be having, you know, being paid and having money and like having work to do, you know, that was like my number one, uh, survival was just my number one priority once I moved out here. So yeah, for sure. So moving along besides the previous gigs that you were working on and those connections you've had building up, 
who were some of your first connections that you kind of met through LA and who kind of introduced you to the city working with them a little bit more besides the, the clothing company that you were working for? Um, it really just happened. I don't think it was one particular person or situation. It was like the, you know, you hear the saying all the time of just like, you know, you, you do one thing and then that will lead you to meet someone else who will lead, lead you to meet, meet someone else. And that's kind of how it happened. You know, I, I just, before I moved to LA, I had worked so hard at networking. And even if it was just get, getting someone's phone number and we, we have, you know, I, we talk for 15 minutes before and I get their phone number when we leave. And that was our relationship. That was all, all I cared about really was just having a network. So luckily that came in very handy. And um, once I moved out to LA and, and those people who I had connected with were aware I was now a resident in LA, they, uh, they started sending me work and then it just literally all that happened. I'm telling you, it's so crazy as I would be, I would just be at one place and someone else would be there and they would, and I would develop a relationship with them and then work would come from that. And then I would be with that person and another person would be there that I would develop a relationship with and that would lead to more work. And, um, you know, I think it's very simple. All I did was constantly just try to deliver value and never ask anyone for anything. I just, yeah. would meet someone and say, you know, this is what I do. I would love to work with you. I'm not even asking for money. Um, I just want to deliver value to you. And I think that took me a long way. For sure. Okay. So continuing on with the gigs in LA, you made some pretty big connections that are some breaking points. Can you kind of explain who are some artists that you were able to work with and kind of the trail of people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the first things that happened when I moved to LA is I got contacted. This was once again, a situation of just a friend of a friend kind of thing. Um, got contacted to start editing remotely for a tour for these DJs and their name is noted. Um, and so I was familiar with their music at the time. Actually, I love their music. And so I was like, yeah, this is of course I'll do this. Um, and of course I want to make money. So, uh, I did this and it was funny because, this one gig actually has led to <laughs> I think some of the most prosperous things in my life. And so um, anyway, I started editing this, this tour. They were on tour with, with, uh, with Zed. And so their videographer would film every night and then just upload to Dropbox. And I was editing, just busting out these recaps. And I was having so much fun. Um, I was working so hard. This is kind of when the all-nighters started because I, it was, you know, they had shows every day. So I was just trying to bust out recap after recap and um and then they um they came to LA to play a show and I was like hey I'll come out and shoot this for free once again just trying to deliver value um and show thanks for you know giving me so much work yeah. and so I go out and uh it was funny because the 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 two kids well the two kids and then the videographer are all in the age range of like 20 to 21 oh wow so um that's my age. And, and we kind of hit it off and we became friends. And from that, they're actually like three of my best friends to this day still. And, um, they, yeah, so I shot the show, um, helped make the recap. And then basically they were continuing their tour a, a little later in Europe with Zed. And so they, since we had become friends and they liked the work I was doing, they invited me out to Europe, um, to go on tour with them and Zed. And so, um, that was basically the next gig I did, which was huge. And, uh, there I just, 
you know, I got to meet more people. Um, and that was amazing. So, so yeah, that was, that was one of the first big gigs. And then from there, I, I got to, you know, I got to go do a video with Yes Theory, which was one of my favorite things to do. I, I love Yes Theory. And, um, so working with them was great. Um, you know, I basically shot a bunch of DJs at, uh, like the Palladium here in Hollywood. And that was super cool. I loved doing that. And then, so basically I, I was able to work with a ton of artists and, uh, and do a lot of touring and, and kind of do stuff in the music world. But I think the most pivotal moment for me, uh, since I've moved here was when I went to Poland and was able to document this trip, um, that was basically created by Lewis Howes and then he recruited people like Jesse Itzler, Mike Posner, um, Aubrey Marcus, just to name a few. And basically those are all just amazing leaders, uh, yeah. businessmen, um, former athletes. Uh, you know, Steve Weatherford was on the trip. He's a former Super Bowl champion. So uh, it was amazing to go on this trip and document it. And obviously Wim Hof himself is a complete legend and yeah. uh, expert in his space. So uh, I, I was able to go document this trip in early 2020 and i just i mean as far as gigs go that was the coolest thing i've ever done and i think um from that moment once again just proved to myself that i can i can do more than i than i thought originally and so um yeah i mean that i i didn't name every single person but that's basically kind of uh that, that touches on who i worked with when i moved out here and uh i think you know, we can get into this too, if you want, once like later, but, uh, the Wim Hof trip was monumental just even for personally inside me. I, I I'm sure. grew so much and that's really changed my life. So, um, yeah. And then after that kind of, you know, the pandemic happened and that that's definitely shut down a lot of my yeah, plans, yeah. but, but yeah, so that was the last like big travel gig that I did. Such an amazing journey, man. It's really inspiring watching the whole trail happen too, first-handed. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. It's been, uh, I know it's, well, it's just crazy that we met so early too, when I had no clue what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, that's, that's true. I want to kind of get your advice to make it as a freelancer. You already shared the networking things with reaching out. If I don't know your tactics, but if there's any more tactics that you would like to share of overcoming the fear of being a freelancer or the intimidation. I think like, you know, the biggest thing is, is always delivering value. That's why I did so much free work in the beginning. And yeah, I love at the beginning when you talked about knowing your worth, because, uh, you know, free work is amazing. And it's, in my opinion, as a creator, the best way to network, but um, it can be the, the one, uh, I guess, caution I would bring up is that it can be hard yeah. to transition from doing free work for someone. And then, you know, five gigs later say, all right, I'm ready to get paid now. And they're like, well, yeah, for sure what like we haven't been paying you know what I mean so it's kind of can be hard and that's been my biggest focus the last year has been transitioning from uh, doing free work to getting what I'm worth and um, so yeah like you know like I said delivering value is always the biggest thing I still do free work to this day you just have to assess the opportunity and um, you know an experience or the chance to work with someone or, or a brand can be worth yeah, more than sure. charging a thousand dollars for a video. You know, that can be worth more, um, as an investment, but, 
Um, that's my biggest piece of advice. And then I'd say number two is just making sure you have the right intention. You know, there's so many, everyone can buy a camera and take a good photo these days. And there's so many people. Um, and I was victim, I fell victim to this for a little bit as well, but just people creating content for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, if you're creating content just to, I guess, feel good whenever you post it and feel validated by other people, if that's yeah. the only reason, then I don't think that'll last very long. There's, that's not sustainable. You'll, once the going gets tough and, you know, things change, you're going to end up quitting. So I think that's the, the biggest thing as well. And I had to definitely do a little reality check and um, make some adjustments in my own life over the past year. But now I feel fully focused on what my intention is. And um, yeah, man, I just love telling stories. And I think that if you're, if that's your passion and you, you love what you do, you'll be able to be successful at it, you know, whether it's sooner or later. For sure. There's another thing I want to point out. There's a thing called a uh, creator burnout that a lot of creators face. And I'm sure you face it too. Do you know any ways of kind of rejecting and kind of moving away from creator burnout to continue enjoying what you're doing, but also creating that norm. Cause if you do too much, you're going to burn yourself out. So what, yeah. what have you, what have you done around that? Man, I am uh, by far not an expert in this because yeah. I go through burnout all the time. Um, I'm sure. But you know, I guess I actually just landed in LA, you know, two days ago um, from a month long trip at home. And that to me was like the biggest reset. I, um, it's so tough because starting out, you have to grind, you know, the all nighters. And that, that's what made me able to, I guess, grow so quickly and develop relationships and do so much so quickly. But at the same time, I left, you know, basically 2019 was the year of grinding for me. And I ended 2019 totally exhausted and just like, you know, feeling good about what I had done, but also at the same time, like, man, I got to figure out how to balance this. Cause um, especially when I first moved to LA, I, I went through almost a depression because of how burnt out I was. And, yeah. um, I think the one way that I found to fight it is, uh, is balance. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, I, I don't think it even means like taking off an equal amount of time as you work. It's not necessarily that it's just balance to me is kind of like making, making it work for you. You know, some people can work 12 hours a day and not get burnt out. Um, and that's fine. But if for, you just have to really assess yourself often and notice the signs of when it's coming. I think it's really, I guess, a very individual kind of situation. Absolutely. Looking back on your work, is there anything that you regret that you have done or haven't done being a creator that you would want to share with other creators out there? I, I'm a firm believer in not having any regrets because, um, yeah, I think that where I'm at, I, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the things I regret doing or not doing, you know, that maybe there are certain situations. I, I, I can honestly say though, there's nothing I regret not doing. If that makes sense. I, I didn't ever like pass yeah. up an opportunity or not do something. Um, I always found a made a, a way to make it work, but, um, you know, of course, there's different things I wish I approached differently now, but you have to appreciate where you were at that time in life. And I think 
uh, that's exactly what I'm able to do. I'm able to say, all right, at that time I had no clue about this thing. So it makes sense why I made that decision. But, um, you know, I, like I said, I think if, if there's anyone who's worried about regret, it's, you know, you're going to, and this is obviously a popular quote, but you're going to regret at the end of your life, you're going to regret what you didn't do way more than what you did do, even if that situation turned out poorly or something like that, you know? So I've always tried to stick by that motto. Mm -hmm. And if I'm on the fence, I just, I just do it. Um, As far as like, you know, a gig, maybe if, if it's like, I think a perfect example is the time flies gig. I would have regretted not doing that because, yeah, you know, I had to drive so far, spend, I, we, uh, we spent so much money just getting there, buying food, paying for gas, all this stuff. And, uh, I lost money on that gig and I could have easily said, you know what, I'm going to lose money. I'm not going to do it. And, uh, but instead I said, you know what, I don't want to have any regrets. I have an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And I think that's kind of the motto I try to live by. Absolutely. Well, Dalton, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Everything you shared was very insightful and your journey from starting from Indiana, moving to Hollywood. Thank you for having me on. It was great talking to you, and I hope that uh, I was able to at least inspire one person. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.